Hey, uh, some good news because uh, CBS is going to produce a drama based on Stacey Abrams' romance novels. Wait, now, Stacey Abrams, the true governor, the true governor of, of Georgia? Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yes, she, the election was stolen from her, and uh, even though she lost by fifty thousand votes, it was stolen from her. I will say this too, um, you bastards out there who think if Trump loses, there it could be fixed, and you're going to complain about this afterwards. Uh-huh. You bastards! By the way, Stacey Abrams is the rightful governor of Georgia. <laughs> the fact that, they, that the left <laughs> right. continually Elizabeth Warren just says it. She said the other day it was like, oh well, it's it's actually Stacey Abrams' seat and it was taken from her. Like no, that is not what <sighs> happened. That is not what happened. She gosh. lost. Right. She lost the election. It's over. Get over it. <laughs> they can't. They can't. They won't. Mm-hmm. So in uh, 2004, she published a book, and she's done several since, but uh, this one was under the name Selena Montgomery, one of eight novels she's written under that name. The book was entitled Never Tell, and it follows the tale of a criminal psychologist with a dark past who works with an investigative journalist who is searching for a serial killer in New Orleans. So CBS is doing a full series on this. Uh, Pretty amazing. Mm. We were able to uh, get a few excerpts from a few of her books. Not just Never Tell, but we we do have that as well. I'm interested in this because this is something the left gets to do that the right would never be able to do right, right like right, right. no one cares uh about about stacy abrams and her romance novels nobody cares about them no one <laughs> there's no reason for this series to exist right, right. I mean, there's absolutely yes. no chance of it being good nobody's ever heard of stacy abrams romance novels how much money did netflix give barack obama to produce television shows well some rumors have it at a hundred million dollars Others at fifty million, but it, it, whatever it was, it was a lot. It was tens a lot. of millions, tens of, millions of, dollars. of dollars for what? Yeah. What? What have they proven? Well, they did that Chinese thing. You know, the uh, Chinese companies uh, in America, Chinese workers in America. What was it called? I don't know. I did I not watch say. it, so I I don't remember the title. But yeah, they got a lot of money for that. A lot of money for that. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see. Um, you're you're going to really be excited about the series when you hear. Uh, her incredible writing skill. Uh, these are a few <laughs> sentences I can read out of paragraphs. Uh, this one from Sebastian Kane and Dr. Caitlin Lida in Secrets and Lies. Ooh. Her book, Secrets and Lies. Sounds saucy. And uh, this is a pair. I can read part of one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not the full sentence. No, I can't. No, but... With urgency, she accepted him, fascinated by the power. And for a moment, she wavered, wondering if she was prepared. In the next second, she knew she never could be. <laughs> so this Tell is me that's like, not powerful. Like Tell me. Really bad versions of like the <laughs> the trash at like airports. Yes. The, that you get at a... At a yes. <laughs> With Fabio yes. on the cover? The $5 rack yeah, uh, at an airport. And I guess like this has uh, been Fifty Shades of Grey has made this into a somewhat of an industry. Is, is that what she's right. going for here? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm. Now, from her book, Hidden Sins, 
There are two sentences I can read from a paragraph. Oh. Yeah, so two this is exciting. Sentences. Two this full is... sentences. Uh, watch me love you. He commanded silently. Wait, how did he... How did it com- Wait, he commanded silently? Wait, hold on. Wait, watch me love you. Watch me love you. Because He certain- commanded silently. That's a good point. I guess with his look. Yeah, but with his you could steely do steely gaze. Like, you could say, hey, come over here silently because yes. you could like wave your arm or you could. How would you say, what is it again? Watch me love watch you. Watch me love you. No, you're supposed to just get that from the look he's giving you. What is that look? I don't know what that expression is. It's a lot of expressions. I'm not the human face. I'm can... not going to attempt it here on radio. No, and please TV don't. Because, I don't want you yeah, to watch. It me would love be obscene. You. It'd be obscene. Okay, and I'm not going to do it. But watch me love you. He commanded silently. <laughs> like she just came up with. She had a random collection of words. And she just thought silently went there. Like he has to do that audibly. He can only command that audibly. Yeah, you let me get to the next sentence. I can't get past the silently thing. It's driving me crazy. Know that I will always be a part of you. Now, I don't know if he actually spoke that out loud. It doesn't say. Or if that was silently as well. You know, all good writers explain that com- completely. Yes, they uh, do. They do. They always say exactly how they commanded a thing, if it's audibly or silently. And she didn't do that here. It's a big mistake. Uh, right. First thing you learn in writing class. Make sure you say how people are commanded. <laughs> are they commanded audibly or are they commanded silently? I, who knows? This is on the level of, um, uh, are you familiar with the podcast, uh, My uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno? No. No. <laughs> it's, it is amazing. It's, the story is the this guy finds out that his dad has been writing these types of books he just decided because of like 50 shades of gray to start writing like an, an x-rated novel he, this guy's dad so what they decided to do for a podcast is for all of them and it's i think it's an hbo show now too it's a really big podcast but they decided to do is it's like three people and they just sit around and they he reads the entire book think <laughs> of your dad and it's really filthy i mean it is filthy but horribly written like stacy abrams level writing so it's really funny so he's making fun of his dad he's making fun of his dad and it's just Uh. so awkward because you're reading like the (laughs) sex fantasies of Of your your dad dad. and then at the same time no thank you he doesn't seem to really understand the female anatomy all that well so so he writes things you're like does he think that's how this works <laughs> it's it's utterly unbelievable but it's the, about the level of writing from stacy abrams here there's one more sentence oh, from oh this. sorry okay before we get to uh take a break uh, are you commanding seconds. me audibly right now to stop I'm commanding talking? you audibly okay. yes because i gotta get to this line because it's powerful sighs and pleas and moans mingled in enthralled chorus Right? Is that beautiful or what? Size. Size. And, and please. And please. And moans. And moans. Mingled. They mingled. In an enthralled chorus. So apparently there was a choir in there in the bedroom with them. Right. That they were singing while the act was happening. And what she doesn't include there, it was all silent. <laughs> <laughs> all the sighs and moans and please were silent. They were silent. silently commanding yes. the chorus to sing. She should have included that. Because I don't know if I heard it. I, that, I, when I'm picturing this, I can't think of, am I hearing things or is it quiet? It's it's hard to figure out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know because she doesn't specifically mention whether this is allowed or silent. 
in this particular passage. Wait, hold on. I just commanded you silently to go to a commercial break. And I picked it up. <laughs> See, it can happen. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Have you been... Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. You know what? There should be a podcast for Stacey Abrams' uh, romance yes. novels. That we would be a be... massive hit. I would totally buy the rights just to do that. That would be fun. <laughs> that would <laughs> be fun. It? Now, does, does the guy's dad on the podcast you were talking about, Yeah, does he know he's being made fun of by his son? He does now. I, I think, I think he, I don't know if he did at the very beginning. And event, Is he upset about it? Or? I, you'd think, because they really yeah. wreck the writing. Because the writing is really what's funny about it. Because he's, he's just a guy who's like seemingly just throwing in a bunch of sexual things he's heard of in, in random order. Um, and it's not like a, it's not well written at all. So the book is really, really funny just to hear. And that's what they're making fun of most of the time. Um, but the guy, I think the dad, it started off as like a self-published book that he wrote under a pen name. Oh God, the, the pen name is really funny too. I can't think of the name. Uh, it's like it's like I want to say it's like Rocky Flintstone or something like that. Is his pen name? You're writing a sex book under the name Rocky Flintstone. It's something like that. Anyway, so he, uh, I think he released it and it was it was going to sell like zero copies. He like released self published it on Amazon or something. And because of this podcast, now it's sold a ton. It's turned into an HBO show and they made a ton of money off of it. Really? Yeah. And I don't know. Wow. Like, the name of the oh God. I mean, I just it's if you don't mind super graphic. Uh, talk in this manner it is an incredible listen but they have um the name of the (laughs) reminding all these details the name of the book i think is called belinda blinked belinda is the Mm -hmm. sex object belinda is the name of the sex object in this movie and she's a salesperson who works in the pots and pans industry (laughs) (laughs) and it's not like it was not written to be intentionally funny which is why it's really funny Wow. Uh, it is an amazing adventure. The pots and pans pots and industry. Pans industry. So she's like, every mm. single scene is like this, you know, sultry uh, salesperson who's selling pots and pans meets with someone and then does things to get the sale to go through is the basic concept of the book. Like she seems to do a lot of sexual favors to sell more pans. <laughs> <laughs> Is it based on a true story? Yes, it is, of course. Yeah, it's a documentary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't seem to compare to this, though. I mean, this guy's got nothing on Stacey Abrams, does he? She's written eight romance novels. Eight. Eight. How many has this guy written? I think maybe now, by by now, probably eight. They're making a lot of money off of it. Okay. This is from the CBS movie that's coming up. It's actually not a movie. It's a series. Mm -hmm. CBS is doing a full series on... The book Never Tell by Stacey Abrams, although that's not the name she goes by. She has a pen name. Uh, Rocky Flintstone? <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, here's another passage that I that I actually can read some of. I went through four sentences out of this. <laughs> this isn't right. You don't know what you want. What you need. I can't take advantage of that. I won't. She cut off his denial. No. I've never been with anyone before because I've never wanted anyone before. Which is why this is a mistake. You need time. More time. His appeal was desperate. Stay, and I may never let you go. I'm yours. The words Wait. were erotic threat, voluptuous Wait. promise. A- erotic, erotic threat? Erotic threat. 
Voluptuous wow, promise. What a wonderful voice for the Me Too movement. <laughs> that great. For someone writing a book about an erotic threat. Unbelievable. Now, did they say it's you had to read it that fast, or was it just awkward to read? It was just awkward to read. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, you read that like it was a disclaimer at the end of a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having a hard time getting through it. No, I Maybe Al Gore would have a better time getting through it. This isn't right. <laughs> You don't know what you want, what you need. I can't take advantage of that. I won't. She cut off his denial. No, I've never been with anyone before because I've never wanted anyone before. Is it any sexier without? It's a tad sexier without. And what did she cut off? His denial? His denial. Okay. Yeah. To make sure his, that was not some weird de- word for something else. I, oh, I got nervous for a minute. No, okay. yeah, denial. Right. Yeah, all right. More in 60 seconds. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. You mentioned, uh, well, you you read as Al Gore moments ago. Right. Uh, you know, he was on with Seth Meyers the other day. Recently? Yeah. I haven't and seen Al in a long he time. He's been doing a lot. No. And, um, remember, in 2016, we were mildly convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to, like, drop out of the race and Al Gore was going to step in at the last right, minute. Right, because he felt like a rock star then. It's kind of faded since then. Yeah. I don't know that if he jumped into this race, anybody would care. But I think in 2016, people would have. Yeah, or 2012, they would have. Yeah. He was still sort of a big celebrity guy, even up to probably 2008, 2012. I, 2016, it had faded. Maybe, but yeah. They, they were, and now I think it's really faded. The theory, this is when a lot of the Hillary Health stuff was going on. And people were talking about, well, if she drops out, what do they do? Right. Um, and we were saying, they got to go, they're going to go white knight, right? They're going to find some guy. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same thing I think happens here. Like, let's say Joe Biden wins the nomination, goes through the process. And then some big scandal breaks. He has to drop out, or he doesn't feel like he can physically do the the you know the uh, campaign anymore, or be president. Whatever happens, God forbid, a health problem, whatever it is, and he decides to drop out of the race. You can't just pick the person who finished second. You can't just pick Bernie, or you can't pick uh, you know. No, uh, it, it's a weird thing. Usually, what they'll do is go outside of the entire system. I think at that point you gotta go, Richard Gephardt. I, you I think, think Dick Gephardt is the I guy. I think Dick Gephardt is your man. At that I point. feel like Dick yeah. Gephardt should always be the nominee for the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, I, think I don't so know why. Too. I think so too. <laughs> uh, I would say, like the the person who now fits that role probably better than anyone else is Michelle Obama. Definitely right. Like oh the, my per, gosh. a person that who would, would just be step in, they would unite the Democrats. They'd all be excited about it. That'd be she horrific. Could relate, she could raise money like nobody else. And the thing with Michelle Obama is. The longer the microscope is on her, the more likely she is to make a mistake. Yeah. And she, but if she steps in in, you know, September and has a month to go through this, she might be able that to That would be last. helpful to her, I yeah. think. And that's, that's a scary possibility for it a is. lot of people. I mean, Bill O'Reilly's been on the show and said if she ran, she would definitely beat Trump. I kind of feel that way, too. I, she's got 73% approval ratings. Yeah. That was 73%. Nobody has that. No, but that would change as soon as she became a candidate. I, I but, hope so. Um, but I, I, and I do think that she's not tested 
at the level of a presidential candidate. No, and it's she possible she could be terrible She at actually it. really didn't do well for Barack in no. 2008. They had to take her off the campaign trail. But eight years as first lady and a, yeah, a, a lot of high-profile stuff, maybe. she probably can handle it better than she did then. She was pretty bad on the campaign she trail initially. Yeah. They pulled her, pretty much pulled her off and said, yeah, you know what you should do is stop talking, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, we've got John McCain to beat here. I think we can handle it if you just don't say things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and which mm-hmm. which they did. He was on uh, Gore though was on with the uh, with Seth Meyers, and they were talking Green New Deal. Listen, uh, the Green New Deal lays out a lot of the things you've been talking about yeah, for yeah. a very long time. Um, uh, are are you impressed by it? And are you also a little jealous you didn't come up with a name? Because the Green New Deal is a real good I think name. It's a, I think it's a great brand and a great oh, yeah. name. And you know, my friend Tom Friedman actually Friedman. used that phrase Friedman. some years Friedman. back. But I think it's a, I, I think it's genius it's, it's because it genius. does a couple of things. Yeah. It manages to com- communicate it, the reality that the solutions to the climate crisis are going to have to be big on the scale big. of the New Deal. It also conveys that there are lots of jobs involved. We can get our country being more prosperous on a sustainable basis while we solve the climate crisis. What you notice about Al Gore there is he turns one-syllable words into three. It's got to be big. <laughs> what did you just say? It's got to be big. big. You know what's weird is his, his voice is getting closer to your impression. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that I noticed that too. It yeah, is. that's yeah. really interesting because uh, the, the Thomas Friedman thing he does there. Friedman. Friedman. Like, it's like... <laughs> There's effort going on to get that name out. Definitely. Can we hear this one more time? Listen to the Thomas Friedman. He really, it takes a while. Listen. Uh, the Green New Deal lays out a lot of the things you've been talking about yeah, for yeah. a very long time. Um, uh, are, are you impressed by it? And are you also a little jealous you didn't come up with a name? Because the Green New Deal is a real good I think name. It's a, I think no it's one a else great likes. brand and a great name. And you know, my friend Tom Friedman actually used that phrase. But I think it's a I, I think it's genius because it genius. does a couple All right, of things. stop. It's our voice. It's that thing. Yeah. You know, where he where he draws things out. Friedman you <laughs> voice. Very weird. It's a weird thing. Um, it's a weird thing. The other thing I noticed there is he kind of takes a shot at AOC there. Yeah, he call, he calls the plan genius, which I don't know if yeah. you know this, it's not. But he does not let her have credit for the name. He actually, my name, my friend Tom Friedman said it first. <laughs> I'm Friedman said it several years ago. And look, it's not. Don't let's not act like this amazing genius thing. Number one, it wasn't good enough branding to get past. I mean, right. not, none oh of it's gosh. real. In fact, it's been—it's yeah. largely a joke among many, many people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's partially because of the way they rolled it out, but it's also a disaster financially. Well, it's only ninety-three trillion dollars, according to many estimates, that's it? which is almost—it's only about double, almost the all the money in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's well a about lot. one and a half times. That's a, a all the than, money in the world. More than average. Yeah. More than $29,000 a year, a l- which is just a lot a of money. Bit. Yeah, I mean, it is. But $93 trillion is just a tad more. Just a tad. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Our very own uh, Chad Prather doing a really cool special all this week. Uh, did it last night, has it tonight, and then tomorrow night. 
Three-parter. Three-part series on the weirdness of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, that's not the name of it, uh, <laughs> but Chad joins us now. Hey, Chad. Hey, good morning, man. Yeah, there's a lot of weirdness there. Yeah. Um, in fact, he he kind of had a cult or something to himself. Didn't he want to impregnate a bunch of women and send them all over the world with his seed? <laughs> something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, well, what... <laughs> You know, people hear this stuff and they think that it's pure fiction because it reads like something out it of a does. Crichton novel. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were, you know, as, as Candace Ortiz, uh, you know, our edi- editorial producer was doing research, we were looking into these things and we discovered that one of the things that Epstein found was that they were collecting the sperm of Nobel Prize recipients and they were uh, putting it together in a lab because they felt that the world was getting dumber and that is their word quote dumber and i I have to agree with them in that (laughs) but what they were doing is they were wanting to start this whole new uh this whole generation of uh of smart people and they were gonna and so epstein heard this now first of all what you have to understand for a guy who accomplished so much based on his history epstein was not a smart people (laughs) he was not a smart guy He, he was a college dropout that was a horrible math and science teacher at the high school level and so when you learn more of these things about it, that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to, to generate a whole world of, uh, of Epsteins out there, and that's what he was going to do. He was going to bring – we're going to talk about that tonight on the special. Uh, the, tonight's episode is called The Devil Has Blue Eyes, and, and that was their whole thing is they were going to bring in 20 girls at a time, impregnate them. They had to sign away all rights to the child, and it was going to be raised by, of course, Epstein and his – uh, Jelaine Maxwell, who was sort of the the queen to his whole chess set there, that made all the connections for him and kind of ran the the ring. He wanted to raise so twenty children crazy. by himself <laughs> with Giselle. Really? Well, you, you you know, one would think he would have some help out there, but I mean that that when you start seeing how big it is, it really is cult like. Wow. Uh, and and that's one of the things that people don't realize, and that's that's the dangerous place that we kind of stepped into. Uh, because we start talking about the King Ranch in New Mexico, a lot of people think of the King Ranch in Texas, two totally different things. Of course, Bruce King was at one time the governor of New Mexico, and they passed down political positions like family heirlooms in New Mexico. They owned most of not only New Mexico ranch lands, but they also are the major producer of corn in the U.S. So they're a big, big family. And in most interviews, when they talk about the King Ranch, and I'll tell you why that's significant in a second, they actually bleep out that name. They bleep out the King name. But Epstein's New Mexico compound, of course, we know about the Virgin Islands, the Little James Island that he flew, you know, the Lolita Express to. What they don't know is that he had a 10,000-acre compound with a 27,000-square-foot home right in the middle of the King Ranch. You could not get to it unless you went over it or through the King Ranch. So he, in essence, isolated himself with one of the most political families, most powerful families in New Mexico. It was like building a, a moat around your ranch. With, with You were completely inaccessible. Uh, and, and now we're starting to see these pictures that are emerging from you know the King, uh, for I should say, what he called the Zorro Ranch there in the middle of New Mexico. So that's where he was going to do that. Uh, it's a pretty creepy place when you think about just down the road there is a there is a a, a, a therapy place for uh, Catholic priests that were caught in pedophilia. Uh, there is a home for orphans that was co-founded by Prince Charles. There's a number of different things. It's, it's of course where they not far from where they tested the atomic bombs and again set up a lot of the 
Nazi war criminals that they brought in to do genetic testing and, and create these things. So New Mexico is a place for cryogenics, eugenics, and transhumanism, which is exactly what he's trying to accomplish in bringing these kids in. So there's so many things that people don't know about the life of Jeffrey Epstein that are weird. They think, well, here's a guy, he's dead, we're glad he's dead, but his legacy lives on in a big way because he was not doing these things by himself. And the people he was doing it with are still very much alive. And so that's kind of the angle we tell the story from. And honestly, Pat and Stu, whenever we tell this story, the average American, they look at the memes or they say Epstein didn't kill himself, and that's all. We have a good chuckle at that. But most people can't even tell you where Epstein got his money from to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a big story that's under the surface that a lot of people don't know. We know about the guy who was convicted as a, as a, as a child predator as a sex offender in the late 2000, uh, 2006, 2007, 2008. We know about that guy who really never served any time, never even reported to a parole officer. Uh, But it's how he reinvented himself after that by associating with the Elon Musks, the Bill Gates, the Stephen Hawkins of the world. These are the people that – and I'm not accusing them of any form of pedophilia, of course, but it was how he tried to rebuild his influence and ultimately the goal – for him was immortality. It's really, it's a weird story. First of all, I don't even know how one would go about obtaining the seed from Nobel Prize winners. I don't know. <laughs> well, is there a pro, is there a website that you go to for that, Chad? I, I don't even know how that occurs. Know. You know, my first thought, my first thought is I wanted to question Barack Obama. <laughs> Maybe he's got a, uh, that's a tra- I, it's, it's funny. It's I, I, because he really, tried to rebuild his credibility after the arrest by by these yeah. sort of like association he would try to find the he donated tons of money to um uh, universities and uh, centers uh, that were um on the cutting edge of science and tried to kind of play himself off as the scientist when he i mean he wasn't uh and he tried to do this thing where he just basically tried to associate himself uh, back into the good graces of up, uh, you know, fine, uh, upstanding society. It, it sort of worked for a long time. It worked well, and that's interesting. Uh, we go back to where we started from. Here's a college dropout who's now associating himself, and they're actually identifying almost as a colleague in Harvard science schools. Uh, you know, he donates forty million. Chad. Mm. What he was kind of into, and not only that, they've never given a dime back. MIT actually received a large donation. They started giving some money back to disassociate themselves. But you're talking about a guy who's who's basically his uh, madam, if you will, his his child procurer, his female procurer, Jelaine uh, Maxwell, who is still at large. We don't really know where she is. Uh, you know, she was at Hillary Clinton's, I'm sorry, not Hillary, she was at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. She's mm. been on three or four vacations with uh, Chelsea Clinton. Uh, this is a person who was highly associating, and it wasn't just about wealth. It was about being able to have secrets. The wealth, His wealth was really not in money as much as it was in being able to buy people's secrets, and those are the secrets we still don't know. We're starting to see things get uncovered with, with Prince Andrew. I find it somewhat humorous that now the queen is stepping in and, and won't let him have his 60th birthday party because of this uh and, and this is a guy who just last week on the bbc was talking about how much he doesn't like to pate you know? <laughs> but now, so now guess what good thing you don't like to party because you're not getting one 
and, and so there's some there's some where there's smoke there's fire and there's things that are there and that's what we've tried to do in these three episodes to say look yeah he may be dead he may be on an island with a facelift we don't know but the legacy of it and the danger of it still lives on so how did how did he make most of his money where where did that billion come from well, you know, so first of all, what he did was he got into Bear Stearns. Uh, he was a he was a high school tutor. He he was having inappropriate relationships at the high school. He was at the Danbury School, which is a very elite school in New York. He was having inappropriate relationships with the students. He was a terrible teacher. He tried to make extra money on the side. Uh, he gained the attention of someone named Lynn Keppel. Her father was actually the CEO at the time of Bear Stearns. He liked his uh, moxie, so to speak. He liked his hustle and so he was doing really really well at Bear Stearns uh the first year and only year he was there and then he decided to resign even though he was just killing it financially for them uh he resigned saying he was going on to bigger and better opportunities and that's the first sign you see of his MO and that is he was taking Bear Stearns money and using it to buy influence so he was giving people loans in essence, embezzling, but he wasn't keeping the money for himself. He was buying influence with powerful people, and he started the J. Epstein Company. He associated himself with numerous people like uh, Wes Wexner, uh, Les Wexner, I'm sorry, uh, who owns, of course, um, things like The Limited and Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret. And he and, and Wexner would even and this is just one example. Wexner would turn all of his assets over to Epstein as a financial counselor. Mm. And Epstein would even replace people on their, their advisory board that were family members. And he'd say, no, you don't need that person. And then these multimillionaires would come to Epstein, and he would say, you have too much money. It's too dangerous. People are going to steal it from you, so let me manage it for you. <laughs> it's so in essence, he was stealing their money. <laughs> so, wow. This, this is the thing that it, it, you know he winds up with like $460 million after being involved with the Hoffenberg uh, Ponzi scheme, which is the world's biggest Ponzi scheme that we've ever known. Hoffenberg, of course, goes to jail for 18 years. Uh, um, uh, Epstein doesn't see a day in jail. Yeah. And, of course, it was the New York City mm-hmm. Municipal Court who's there. Guess who appointed those the, that court? Of course, it was uh, Bill Clinton, who was president at the time. It's so it's so weird. And you, you make such a great point on how he used. It wasn't about his money. It was about the way that he he sort of like was willing to cross lines like crazy in every part of his life, but do it with a respectable face, so people could associate yeah. with this really rich guy who seemed really accomplished and smart, and no one would suspect that behind the scenes he was he was willing to cross all these lines. I mean, you look at. The stuff he did in Miami with the girls, it's not just like he was hooking up with young girls. The guy built a gigantic system to allow himself with recruitment, with uh, right. how to import them, how to hide it, what to ask for. They had a whole system. I mean, even go to when he's in prison and he's supposed to be in, 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 uh, in, in a cell and doesn't want to be in a cell. So he pays his way to have lawyers be there basically every minute he's awake. So he's in meetings with lawyers and he doesn't actually have to stay in the cell. This is before his death. I mean, he, he was a way he was able to bend and break rules to create systems to allow uh, otherwise respectable people to do uh, uh, things that are not respected. <laughs> yeah. And you take you take someone like Bill Gates, who is on record of saying, you know, hey, he's a very interesting guy with very interesting ideas. Uh, yeah. 
You know, when Stephen Hawking is hanging around, these guys, they weren't interested in his brain. They were interested in his influence and his money in that regard uh, of the things that he could get done with his his charm. And even when he was in prison before he died, there would be people who other prisoners who would have one hundred dollars here and there that would just show up in their commissary account. And it was coming from Epstein. So even when he was in jail, he was buying influence and buying these favors. Um, The special is three three nights, uh, and you can watch all of it on demand. Uh, The last one airs tomorrow. The second part is tonight. If you go to blazetv.com, use the promo code CPS, Chad Prather Show, CPS, uh, and you'll get a a discount there. And you got to check this out because this is going really deep into this. Uh, You're going to know way more than everybody else on this story uh, if you watch these three parts. Chad Prather, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Talk tonight at 6, I think, Central? Is it 6, six right? Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Yeah, definitely right. check that out. That's, uh, that's going to be fascinating. 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. It's Epstein Week on The Blaze. Uh-huh. Yay! Really interested to see that Chad Prather uh, special. Sounds really good. Really good. Um, and that's... Uh, Guy was a freak. Yeah. Not Chad. In, uh, Jeffrey right, right, yes. Yeah. In so many ways, he was a freak. He was. Uh, Again, not Chad. No, not Chad. Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, Chad maybe too. I, I wouldn't put it I, yeah, past I, him. I, I don't Just know. not in the same way that right. Jeffrey Epstein was. Hopefully not. Def- I would say definitely not on that one. Uh, so, uh, by the way, you can go to blazetv.com. Uh, use the code CPS for uh, Chad's special. Uh, they have um, now 45% in polls now believe Jeffrey Epstein was murdered and did not uh, kill himself. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common. I, I know Steven Crowder did a special last night as well on uh, Epstein and he tried to simulate the, uh, he, they built a replica of the cell and actually he tried to hang himself. He talked about it on the air yesterday. Uh, do not try this at home. Uh, and he, he, his, you have to watch the special because uh, it's very funny. And also you, do actually learn a little bit about how difficult this would be. I mean, he, he had to do all sorts of crazy things to even come close to the amount of pressure you would need for the bones breaking. It was very suspicious. Mm. And I still don't understand how it's true. Though, I mean, you look at, like, the AP is reporting, you know, this this conspiracy theory is is blowing up. 45% of people now believe it. Um, and is it, it, it just seems like so many weird things happening that it's not even a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But they say that uh, not only is there... Uh, a uh, he was by himself in the cell. He had no roommate. Uh, he, That's because they moved his roommate, right? His cellmate, right? There, so there's no one in the cell though. Just that could hours do before he killed himself. And they talk a lot about the cameras being out in, to see in the cell, which I think mm-hmm. is true. However, there were cell, there were cameras in the hallway where his cell was, and they say video surveillance confirms that nobody entered the area where Epstein was when he was locked in a cell. Mm. And the cell would have had to have been opened by a remote location by a guard and another door by a guard. Both of those had cameras on it, and that didn't seem to happen. What if the killer came in through the ceiling like Tom Cruise on Mission Impossible? God, they don't even address Just that. lowered here. himself, don't strangled even the it. guy, broke his neck, and went sucked right back up into the ceiling. They don't even mention don't Tom even Cruise mention in that. this article. They don't even mention that. I think it probably was Tom Cruise himself. So convenient. Mm. <laughs> You're listening to Glenn Beck.